Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Sunday, May 8th. Welcome to the new start of a week. We have just completed the observance and celebration of Passover and the seven days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But did you know that Passover is not really over until we get to Shavuot? There is the counting of the Omer, a 50-day count that takes you up to the next biblical feast, which is Shavuot, or Pentecost. The giving of the Torah happened at Shavuot exactly 50 days after the children of Israel left Egypt. A few thousand years later, on the exact same day, Shavuot, Yeshua's followers gathered in the upper room for a prayer meeting. On Shavuot, also known as Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out in great power with a mighty wind and tongues of flames. The Omer is counted each evening after sundown. This year, Shavuot begins at sunset on Saturday, June 4th, and ends at Sunday, sundown on Monday, June 6th. We are to stand when counting the Omer, and we begin by reciting the following blessing. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam asher kidshanu mitzvotav zivanu al-sefirat haomer. Blessed are you, Adonai our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with your commandments and commanded us to count the Omer. After the blessing, we recite the appropriate day of the count. For example, Hayom Yom Echad La Omer. Today is the 22nd day of the counting of the Omer. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we begin a new Torah portion, Emor, and it means say. Leviticus 21 1 to 24. Hashem said to Moses, Speak to the Kohanim, the sons of Aaron, and say to them, None shall defile himself for any dead person among his kin, except for the relatives that are closest to him, his mother, his father, his son, his daughter, and his brother, also for a virgin sister close to him because she has not married. For her he may defile himself. But he shall not defile himself as a kinsman by marriage, and so profane himself. They shall not shave smooth any part of their heads, or cut the side growth of the beards, or make gashes in their flesh. They shall be holy to their God, and not profane the name of their God. For they offer Hashem's offerings by fire, the food of their God, and so must be holy. They shall not marry a woman defiled by harlotry, nor shall they marry one divorced from her husband, 
for they are holy to their God, and you must treat them as holy. Since they offer the food of your God, they shall be holy to you, for I, Hashem, who sanctify you, am holy. When the daughter of a Kohen defiles herself through harlotry, it is her father whom she defiles. She shall be put to the fire. The Kohen who is exalted above his fellows, on whose head the anointing oil has been poured, and who has been ordained to wear the vestments, shall not bear his head or rend his vestments. He shall not go in where there is any dead body. He shall not defile himself even for his father or mother. He shall not go outside the sanctuary and profane the sanctuary of his God. For upon him is the distinction of the anointing oil of his God, mine, Hashem's. He may marry only a woman who is a virgin. A widow or a divorced woman or one who is degraded by harlotry, such he may not marry. Only a virgin of his own kin may he take to wife, that he may not profane his offspring among his kin, for I, Hashem, has sanctified him. Hashem spoke further to Moses, Speak to Aaron and say, No man of your offspring throughout the ages who has a defect shall be qualified to offer the food of his God. No one at all who has a defect shall be qualified. No man who is blind or lame, or has a limb too short or too long, no man who has a broken leg or a broken arm, or who is a hunchback or a dwarf, or who has a growth in his eye, or who has a boil scar or scurvy or crushed testes. No man among the offspring of Aaron the Kohen, who has a defect, shall be qualified to offer Hashem's offering by fire. Having a defect, he shall not be qualified to offer the food of his God. He may eat of the food of his God, of the Most Holy, as well as of the Holy. But he shall not enter behind the curtain, or come near the altar, for he has a defect. He shall not profane these places sacred to me, for I, Hashem, have sanctified them. Thus Moses spoke to Aaron and his sons and to all the Israelites. 1 Samuel 2, 22-4, Now Eli was very old when he heard all that his sons were doing to, to all Israel and how they lay with the women who performed tasks at the entrance of the tent of meeting. He said to them, Why do you do such things? I get evil reports about you from the people on all hands. Don't, my sons. It is no favorable report I hear the people of Hashem spreading about. If a man sins against a man, Hashem may pardon him. But if a man offends against Hashem, who can obtain pardon for him? But they ignored their father's plea, for Hashem was resolved that they should die. Young Samuel, meanwhile, grew in esteem and favor both with Hashem and with men. A man of Hashem came to Eli and said to him, Thus said Hashem, Lo, I revealed myself to your father's house in Egypt when they were subject to the house of Pharaoh. And I chose them from among all the tribes of Israel to be my Kohanim, to ascend my altar to burn incense and to carry an ephod before me. And I assigned to your father's house all offerings by fire of the Israelites. Why then do you maliciously trample upon the sacrifices and offerings that I have commanded? You have honored your sons more than me, feeding on the first portions of every offering of my people Israel. 
Assuredly, declares Hashem, the God of Israel, I intended for you and your father's house to remain in my service forever. But now, declares Hashem, far be it from me, for I honor those who honor me, but those who spurn me shall be dishonored. A time is coming when I will break your power and that of your father's house, and there shall be no elder in your house. You will gaze grudgingly at all the bounty that will be bestowed on Israel, but there shall never be an elder in your house. I shall not cut off all your offspring from my altar, but to make your eyes pine and your spirit languish, all the increase in your house shall die as ordinary men. And this shall be a sign for you, the fate of your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. They shall both die on the same day. And I will raise up for myself a faithful Kohen, who will act in accordance with my wishes and my purposes. I will build for him an enduring house, and he shall walk before my anointed forevermore. And all the survivors of your house shall come and bow low to him, for the sake of a money fee and a loaf of bread, and shall say, Please, assign me to one of the priestly duties that I may have a morsel of bread to eat. Young Samuel was in the service of Hashem under Eli. In those days the word of Hashem was rare. Prophecy was not widespread. One day Eli was asleep in his usual place. His eyes had begun to fail and he could barely see. The lamp of Hashem had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the temple of Hashem, where the ark of Hashem was. Hashem called out to Samuel, and he answered, I'm coming. He ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But he replied, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. So he went back and lay down. Again Hashem called Samuel. Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But he replied, I didn't call my son, go back to sleep. Now Samuel had not yet experienced Hashem. The word of Hashem had not yet been revealed to him. Hashem called Samuel again a third time, and he rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli understood that Hashem was calling the boy. And Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down. If you are called again, say, Speak, Hashem, for your servant is listening. And Samuel went to his place and lay down. Hashem came and stood there, and he called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant is listening. Hashem said to Samuel, I am going to do in Israel such a thing that both ears of anyone who hears about it will tingle. In that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I spoke concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I sentence his house to endless punishment for the iniquity he knew about, how his sons committed sacrilege at will, and he did not rebuke them. Assuredly I swear concerning the house of Eli that the iniquity of the house of Eli will never be expiated by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay there until morning, and then he opened the doors of the house of Hashem. Samuel was afraid to report the vision to Eli, but Eli summoned Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, and he answered, Here. And Eli asked, What did he say to you? Keep nothing from me. Thus and more may Hashem do to you if you keep from me a single word of all that he said to you. Samuel then told him everything, withholding nothing from him. 
And Eli said, He is Hashem. He will do what he deems right. Samuel grew up, and Hashem was with him. He did not leave any of Samuel's predictions unfulfilled. All Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was trustworthy as a Navi of Hashem. And Hashem continued to appear at Shiloh. Hashem revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh with the word of Hashem. And Samuel's word went forth to all Israel. Israel marched out to engage the Philistines in battle. They encamped near Evan Ha-Ezer, while the Philistines encamped at Aphek. When the Philistines arrayed themselves against Israel, and when the battle was fought, Israel was routed by the Philistines, who slew about 4,000 men on the field of battle. When the Israelite troops returned to the camp, the elders of Israel asked, Why did Hashem put us to rout today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark Brit Hashem from Shiloh. Thus, he will be present among us and will deliver us from the hands of our enemies. So the troops sent men to Shiloh. There Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were in charge of the ark Brit Hashem, and they brought down from there the ark Habrit of the Lord of Hosts enthroned on the cherubim. When the ark Brit Hashem entered the camp, all Israel burst into a great shout, so that the earth resounded. The Philistines heard the noise of the shouting, and they wondered, Why is there such a loud shouting in the camp of the Hebrews? And when they learned that the ark of Hashem had come to the camp, the Philistines were frightened, for they said, Hashem has come to the camp. And they cried, Woe to us! Nothing like this has ever happened before. Woe to us! Who will save us from the power of this mighty Hashem? He is the same Hashem who struck the Egyptians with every kind of plague in the wilderness. Brace yourselves and be men, O Philistines, or you will become slaves to the Hebrews as they were slaves to you. Be men and fight. The Philistines fought. Israel was routed, and they all fled to their homes. The defeat was very great. Thirty thousand foot soldiers of Israel fell there. The Ark of Hashem was captured, and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. A Benjamite ran from the battlefield and reached Shiloh the same day. His clothes were torn, and there was earth on his head. When he arrived, he found Eli sitting on a seat, waiting beside the road, his heart trembling for the Ark of Hashem. The man entered the city to spread the news, and the whole city broke out in a cry. And when Eli heard the sound of the outcry and asked, What is the meaning of this uproar? The man rushed over to tell Eli. Now Eli was ninety-eight years old. His eyes were fixed in a blind stare. The man said to Eli, I am the one who came from the battlefield. I have just fled from the battlefield. Eli asked, What happened, my son? The bearer of the news replied, Israel fled before the Philistines, and the troops also suffered a great slaughter. Your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the Ark of Hashem has been captured. When he mentioned the Ark of Hashem, Eli fell backward off the seat beside the gate, broke his neck, and died, for he was an old man and heavy. He had been a chieftain of Israel for forty years. His daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was with child about to give birth. When she heard the report that the Ark of Hashem was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she was seized with labor pains, and she crouched down and gave birth. As she lay dying, 
The women attending her said, Do not be afraid, for you have borne a son. But she did not respond or pay heed. She named the boy Ichabod, meaning, The glory has departed from Israel, referring to the capture of the Ark of Hashem and to the death of her father-in-law and her husband. The glory is gone from Israel, she said, for the Ark of Hashem has been captured. John 5, 24-47 Verily, verily, I, Yeshua, say to you, He that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father has life in himself, so has he given to the Son to have life in himself, and has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice, and shall come forth, they that have done good to the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil to the resurrection of life. Of damnation. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another that bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You sent to John, and he bear witness to the truth. But I receive not testimony from man. But these things I say, that you might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me, that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself, which has sent me, has borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. And you have not his word abiding in you, for whom he has sent him you believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, and you will not come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you, that you have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that comes from God only? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he wrote of me, but if you believe not his writings, how you should believe my words. Psalm 106, 1-12 Praise ye the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures for ever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all his praise? Blessed are they that keep judgment, and he that does righteousness at all times. 
Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that you bear to your people. O visit me with your salvation, that I may see the good of your chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. We have sinned with our fathers, we have committed iniquity, we have done wickedly. Our fathers understood not your wonders in Egypt. They remembered not the multitude of your mercies, but provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power to be known. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it was dried up. So he led them through the depths, as through the wilderness. And he saved them from the hand of him that hated them, and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then believed they his words. They sang his praise. Proverbs 14, 30 and 31 A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. He that oppresses the poor reproaches his maker, but he that honors him has mercy on the poor. I'd like to speak to you today from our reading from 1 Samuel. And in these early chapters, we see the young boy Samuel, who has been dedicated to the Lord by his mother, Hannah, get his initial call from the Lord. And when the Lord calls out his name, Samuel, Samuel, he does not recognize the voice of the Lord. And he thinks it's Eli, his mentor, who is calling him. And so on the third time, Eli realizes that Samuel is being called by the Lord. And so he instructs him, well, the next time you hear him call, say, speak, for your servant is listening. Look at in chapter 3, verse 7. Now Samuel had not yet experienced Hashem. The word of Hashem had not yet been revealed to him. Now this raises an interesting thought. This is in the time before Yeshua came to the earth. So this is before people could become born again, before they could ask Yeshua into their heart and be born again. And yet we have these Old Testament characters such as Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, and now here's Samuel, and they experienced Hashem. They experienced the Lord. They knew him. They didn't just know about him, they knew him. And so he revealed himself even in the Old Testament prior to the birth of Christ, prior to his resurrection, prior to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost or Shavuot. And so that's the question to consider and to think about is, is it possible that many of the Orthodox Jews that live in Israel today who don't know Yeshua personally, that they are experiencing Hashem in the same way that Samuel experienced Hashem, or that David experienced Hashem, that in the way that Joseph experienced Hashem. I think it is quite possible that that is the case. In any way, in any matter, We all need to experience him in our own first-hand way. Not just read about him or hear about him 
or study him, but actually know him and experience him. All right, continuing on in chapter 3, verse 13. And I declare to him that I sentence his house to endless punishment for the iniquity he knew about, how his sons committed sacrilege at will, and he did not rebuke them. This is the prophecy from the prophet who is basically letting Samuel know. Actually, no, this is... uh, the Father, this is Hashem, the Lord, speaking to Samuel and telling Samuel what's going to happen to the house of Eli and that they are going to be under a punishment because Eli is being held accountable for him not disciplining or correcting his sons, for not rebuking them. He did say something to them, but he didn't give them correction. He did not rebuke them. He did not give them any kind of um, consequences for what they were doing. And it brought shame and disgrace to the priest's home and to the house of Hashem, to the temple. So the Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. God tells Samuel that he will punish Eli for failing to rebuke his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, for their immoral behavior while serving in their leadership roles at the Mishkan in Shiloh. Through their actions, they profane the Mishkan and discourage people from making pilgrimages there. Consequently, Eli's sons will be killed, and there will be no one left to continue his family mantle of leadership. Instead, Samuel will become the new prophet and leader of the people. He will act the way a true leader should, traveling among the people, as an inspiring role model, bringing them closer to Hashem. So in the next chapter, we have a battle going on between the Philistines and the Israelites, and the Israelites are defeated. The Ark of the Covenant is captured, and Hophni and Phinehas, Eli's two sons, are killed in battle. So we have a messenger who is about to give this news to Eli. And in chapter 4, verse 13, it is written, When he arrived, he found Eli sitting on a seat, waiting beside the road, his heart trembling for the ark of Hashem. The men entered the city to spread the news, and the whole city broke out in a cry. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows, After the terrible battlefield lost to the Philistines, a man from the tribe of Benjamin runs to Shiloh to deliver the news to Eli. Rashi reports a tradition that this man was none other than Shaul, who would later be selected as the first king of of Israel, that is, Saul. This is significant, as leaders of Israel are often military men. For example, Abraham, see Genesis 14, which describes the war he fought to save his nephew Lot. Moses, see Numbers 21, where he leads Israel in battle against Sihon and Og and Joshua were all spiritual and military figures. Fighting just wars is an imperative, and it is the responsibility of the Israelite leader to lead his troops into battle. Therefore, it's not surprising that the first king of Israel is also a soldier. So, as I think about how God dealt with Eli's two sons, it really impresses upon me the great responsibility that we have as parents and even as grandparents to 
train up a child in the way he should go and to properly give them good, clear boundaries and give them consequences if they go over the line. Because if we don't, then they can wreak havoc and cause chaos and harm and destruction to the people around them. The boundaries need to be there. The consequences need to be there. And if we don't put them there and they get away with things, it just gets out of control very quickly. And so God dealt with Phineas and Hophni. The last thing I want to touch upon is from John chapter 5. And I want to look at verse 45 to 47. And Yeshua is speaking to the Pharisees. Um, I'm going to start in verse 45. And Yeshua is saying to them, Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. For if you had believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? This is a very deep truth that Yeshua is revealing. What he is saying here is that the writings of Moses, that is, the first five books of the Bible, do reveal Yeshua to us. But it's hidden, and we have to look. It's not on the surface, it's deeper. But Yeshua is basically giving us a very important Torah principle that he is there, he's to be found in the Old Testament that Moses wrote of him. And so as we read through the first five books of the Bible, we need to be looking for Yeshua signs, that Yeshua is there in the Old Testament. He is there in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. He's there in Deuteronomy. And so basically Yeshua is saying, you say you believe in Moses, yet you don't believe in me, yet Moses wrote about me. So Yeshua is there in the Old Testament. We just have to have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to believe. Have a blessed day. Shalom. Adonai Vish Mareka Yaya Adonai Anavilaka Vikuneka Isa Adonai Anav Eleka Vayaseh Leka Leka The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.